The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. And this is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. everyone once again it's Chris here from the History of the World podcast with an unscripted episode uh, another interim episode um, while we prepare for the launch of volume four and I'm hoping that over the course of the next couple of weeks I might be able to give you some more information about when volume four will be launched we're making some progress now uh, there's a few episodes that have been written and Uh, other preparations have been made for volume four so I'm hoping uh, in the next couple of weeks I should be able to make an announcement regarding the launch of volume four so um, I'm sure you've all been uh, waiting um, for me to do so because we've had quite a number of unscripted episodes while I've taken a break from writing and recording during the uh, during the the period between volumes three and four and of course volume three was quite long so I did need a a little bit of a breather but um, I'm back in the mode of writing now and certainly uh, we've already started writing um, some of the material for the start of volume four and a couple of special episodes that have been commissioned by members of the History of the World podcast Illuminati. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about the History of the World podcast Illuminati later on if you've not already been made aware of it. Now, uh, normally in unscripted episodes, I'll, I'll either talk on a on a random subject, uh, often um, something to do with um, Volume 3, something that we maybe didn't really give any specific attention to. Um, so I've been sort of reading out a few bits and pieces in relation to that. Um, but also, um, we've been z- sort of giving you spoilers for Volume 4, so stuff to look forward to in Volume 4, what uh, what subjects we're going to be talking about. Um, quite importantly, with Volume 4, we really do get introduced in a big way to Japan. Now, Japan we haven't spoken of much um, certainly not since Volume 1 when we spoke about Jomon Pottery and the first uh, sort of Neolithic villages of Japan which um, can often be uh, compared to other Neolithic settlements uh, elsewhere in the world even like not just uh, in Eurasia but, but also the Americas and um, so it's going to be a very interesting um, it's going to be a very interesting journey for Japan uh, the medieval period uh, really uh, demonstrates a great advancement for Japanese culture. And the one thing we can say about Japan is its culture is quite unique. And uh, it was sort of left left alone somewhat um, while China became this huge empire and this huge uh, organisation um, that um, benefited uh, from the from the Silk Road, 
and um, certainly Japan being an, an, an island nation or, or a group of islands geographically as you could refer to it back then uh, was certainly very much detached but it wouldn't uh, that wouldn't go on forever certainly at some point or another uh, Japanese politics would be touched by um, mainland politics let's say uh, as China started to um, exercise influence over the Korean Peninsula, for example. So it became involved in the politics of the Korean Peninsula as we found uh, Chinese uh, peoples were were heading into uh, the Korean Peninsula and trying to influence uh, the Korean politics, which had a bit of a, an identity of its own. But as the Chinese tried to get involved in Korean politics. And, and bear in mind, Korea was no not a united peninsula by any stretch of the imagination. There was very much a, a number of competing um, chiefdoms or city-states, if you like, that were, were vying for power in Korea. And, and the result of the, the conflict and, and the intervention of Chinese cultures meant that um, peoples from Korea would actually uh, migrate into the Japanese islands and cause disruption to the status quo in Japan as well. And so we're going to look closely at that and, um, and, the, and the evolving um, cultures of Korea and Japan and how the Chinese influence them. Two of the, two of the very sort of relevant things that, that we see in regards to the relationship between these these areas of the world during the medieval period. Um, firstly, we know that um, gunpowder was created in the Far East and uh, specifically in, in, lands, um, or in the lands of China. And this would go on to have a very profound effect on the world and certainly on military campaigns and on uh, global politics as a whole. And, and those medieval cultures, those medieval nations who would be able to benefit from the use of gunpowder certainly were able to assert themselves on a political level over other nations who maybe didn't have that uh, that resource to hand so it really did have a very profound fundam fundamental effect on what would be going on and, and those nations that would be able to uh, get their hands on gunpowder and gunpowder weaponry such as the earliest cannons and guns uh, were able to exploit that and we're, so we're going to be looking quite closely at that certainly Japan uh, going back to Japan um, was was influenced by the other aspect that we that we see from the Far East. The other sort of very relevant aspect of Far Eastern politics was the emergence of the Mongols, and the Mongols' expansionist um, attitude was sort of it, it almost like nothing else. Really, it's like if you know if Alexander the Great's expansion was 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 one thing, but what. The Mongols did from the Far East, expanding all the way over into Europe was another, and they would certainly get very, very heavily involved in Chinese politics and also attempt to uh, 
assert themselves into Japanese politics as well. So the Mongols come into the Japanese story. What we find with Japan is it got forced into this um, point of uh, conflict with itself. So there was like an imperial court in Japan, uh, but then there was also a military um, uprising, if you like, like a political military uprising um, we call it like we call them the shoguns, the military dictators who who took control um, of Japanese politics, and we call them the shoguns. And uh, certainly, the the warrior class we see the the emergence of samurai warriors and uh, the the concepts of of uh, kamikaze and that kind of thing, and and Japanese honor. Uh, military honour, the the fact that in the face of death that suicide would be um, the go-to option rather than be captured by an enemy and, and, and all of those Japanese concepts that sometimes to sort of the to West to the Western world seem quite alien and quite uh, quite surreal to have that in your psyche. Certainly the Japanese um, it evolved with them this this psyche it was an evolution so we're going to have a look at that and the evolution of that aspect of Japanese culture is very very fascinating and, and the Japanese journey um, is a unique one and it really does um, it really does sort of get quite juicy during the medieval period so uh, the Japanese episodes will take up, you know, some, you know, will take a good portion of volume four up, and 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 rightly so. So we're going to be very much looking forward to that. So that's uh, so that's more that you can look forward to in volume four. And um, we've we've sort of gone through quite a lot over the unscripted episodes of the material to expect from volume four, and we're going to. We're going to talk more about it in in the future unscripted episodes before we actually launch Volume 4 properly. And uh, hopefully I'll have some news about that in the next couple of weeks. Okay, moving forward, I'm going to make some apologies now. So I I recognised this last week, actually, that I'd not been very good at all at checking my Facebook messages and so I'm going to give some uh, I'm going to give some time to those people that did write some very kind messages into me, and I, and I never read them out because I'm I'm just useless at checking it, and there's no excuse because um, some of the messages have been very kind, and and they deserve a bit of time, and they deserve a response. So I'm going to read them out now. So um, starting, I'm going to start with Adam Thorne, who wrote and said, "Thank you for the great podcast. Discovered it this weekend." On a long drive from Lancaster back to Chelmsford. That's a long drive. Well, it's a long drive for, for a Brit. Um, as a head teacher, history teacher, loving the prehistory, not an area I've ever really looked at. Episode 13 only started on Sunday. Uh, thank you, Adam. Um, Finton Power has uh, has written in and said, uh, Hi, my name is Finton Power. I'm from, the, uh, from North County Louth in the Republic of Ireland. I'm new to podcasts, but I have to say that I really got into yours this past week as I completely binged on it over my machine speakers at work on Spotify. Similar to yourself, I have no background uh, background in anthropology. Just noticed over the decades that I'm automatically attracted to that field 
and many others like uh, geology, paleontology, archaeology and also the planetary sciences of the solar system and beyond. Your podcast was really good because I could sort of identify with yourself. Uh, thank you so much, Finton. That's a very kind message. Uh, Jared Ignashi has written in, I'm, I'm sure I've got your name completely wrong now, I apologise, has put, just uh, discovered your podcast a few weeks ago, it was recommended in a thread on Reddit. I absolutely love it. The history of the world has been one of my favourite subjects since leaving religion eight years ago. I'm only on episode 14, but am excited to listen to them all. Also, I saw this in the news this morning and immediately thought of you. He sent me a link, actually, to um, a... Um, and to, he sent me a link to a, a a nature article. It says sponge-like fossil could be the Earth's earliest known animal. I, like, I mean, I must admit, it's been, it, I think it's been over 10 years since I studied anything to do with um, life evolution on planet Earth. Uh, we're sort of going back... Um, you know, many, many. We're going back billions of years, aren't we, to the to the earliest known life forms on planet Earth? And uh, certainly, um, I'm I can't recall at the moment how long ago um, we believe that sponge uh, sponges and corals evolved f- or diverged from the rest of the animal kingdom. So, forgive me. It's been too long since I studied that, but very fascinating anyway. And thank you so much for sending the message in. Um, George Owen wrote in saying hi Chris just wanted to drop you a message to say that I've recently started listening to the podcast and I'm really enjoying it still on volume one at the moment up to the episode about early villages and looking forward to working my way through it all Uh, thank you George uh, Daniel McWilliams wrote in and said hi I just wanted to let you know that I wanted to review and give a five star to the podcast through Spotify where I found it but currently there's no way to do so for a long time I've hoped to find something like this and as I maintain a good course in Cornwall I spend countless hours on my mowers and now look forward to each episode. I found the hot pod about a fortnight ago and have just finished the Ancient Egypt after New Kingdom pod and am thoroughly enjoying. I'm not the best at retaining information and find some of the more in-depth details go a little over my head but try my best to feel accomplished in furthering my historical knowledge. Many thanks for creating this pod. I have recommended already to family and wouldn't hesitate to continue to do so. Have a good one, Dan. I, do you know what? I wouldn't be too hard on yourself, Dan. It is very, very difficult to sort of absorb all this information and we, and we rely on experts and, and we rely on their interpretations and um, we, we just have to try and make sense of them in layman's terms a lot of the time. So... I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. There'll be many, many of us that are, are sitting there and f- feeling the same thing. So thank you, Dan, for the for the message. Um, Lynn Lutenberg Eulish has written in and said, Hi, Chris, I recently discovered your podcast and am currently on episode 18 of volume one. I have a new job and a commute of 35 minutes and these podcasts are great. I am a teacher and really enjoy how you present material. I even have your accent in my head now. Here are my current questions. I'm sure I'll have more later. Well, okay, here we go. Uh, question number one. 
I'll, I'll try and answer these as I go along. I was so struck by the information of the North and South Pole switching and have been sharing that with everyone I meet. When roughly did these occur? And more intriguingly to me, for how long? Can any predictions be made as to whether that will occur again? Well, once again, this is something that I... Once again, with the with the animal kingdom, the, the emergence of the first animals on planet Earth, this was probably the first time that I discovered... Uh, this thing about polarity switching and I don't know a great deal about it what I do know is that because of the fluidity of the sun being a gas giant we can predict that in fact it happens the, it go, it, the polarity switch happens every 11 years with the with the sun and uh, so it has a polarity switch cycle of 22 years where it goes north-south then to south-north and then back to north-south again. But you can't really predict it with planet Earth being a, a solid object. It just happens when it happens somewhat. But it tends to happen every maybe two or three hundred thousand years, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm really no expert on that whatsoever. Uh, question two, when did changes in the outward appearance of humans occur pigmentation of skin hair and eyes facial features such as asian eyes um well i would say any um localized distinction such as skin color or eye color um facial shaping um skin tone or like anything like that hair color um anything like that um, we don't really have any firm evidence of it because all the fossils really don't sort of demonstrate um, any of that at all we really only just get the the skeletal remains in most cases um, there are a lot of theories relating to it and um, there are probably experts that do have strong opinions about when it did happen all I can say is it must have happened somewhat in the last 80,000 years because we believe that there was a significant divergence of humans um, geographically um, around that time and that there were migrations in the subsequent tens of thousands of years after that and um, certainly you would have found distinctions would have evolved slowly over time um, so so I don't think it was it, it sort of happened I don't think you can say you know humans developed light skin colors at this time at this point in time I think it had to have been a gradual evolution so um, difficult question for me to answer that. Number three, I was just listening about hot fires to melt copper. How did they get the fires up to a thousand degrees Celsius? Wood alone? Um, well, what I do know, and and I don't know too much about the the this the actual temperatures themselves and what. So I've got no real expert knowledge of of the creation of fire, but certainly. We, we can see archaeological evidence of there being crucibles um, evolved, how that, how that science evolved, certainly, um, I would say, very much during the, the second millennium BCE. So if we go back three to 4,000 years ago, it seemed that there was significant technological advances in uh, metallurgy um, that that enabled humans were able to create higher temperatures and this was by the creation of um of more fit for purpose crucibles where they could contain the heat and um certainly also billow air into that 
um, sort of contained space in order to further heighten temperatures. So, um, listen, I'm no expert, but all I can tell you is what little I do know, and maybe that put, will point you in the right direction of someone who is an expert. So, um, Lynn signs off saying, thanks for all your work and prep on this. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, and thank you to everyone who has written in through the Facebook forum and, and I will make a concerted effort to keep on top of that forum going forward. Emails now. Vibeki Antoinette Moa. I'm, I'm no doubt absolutely mispronounced that completely. I apologise. But um, you have written in and put, Hi, your history podcast is such an inspiration. I listen to one chapter every day. Many of them I have listened to several times. I'm particularly interested in the Bronze Age and the migration period. I'm so happy that you also bring in the perspective of the climatic changes. Thank you for doing a formidable job, Chris Hasler. Best regards, Vibeki, a Norwegian PhD in ethnology. Thank you. Thank you very much and thank you for taking the time to write in. It's, it's great to see how many sort of teachers and and qualified scholars have, have, are enjoying the the project. Jason Bain has written in and put, I recently discovered your podcast and have quite enjoyed it. I donated via Patreon, but wanted to say that I appreciate all the research and work you must have put in, and I'm looking forward to listening to the rest. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Jason, and thank you for donating via Patreon. And... Um, we uh, a number of you have made donations um, recently, and and thank you so much. You will all become members of the History of the World podcast Illuminati, as is the tradition to anyone who does make a, a donation to the podcast. Um, and if you want to make a donation to the podcast, go to the History of the World website. There's plenty to do at the website, so it's worth a visit in any case. But uh, if you do want to make a financial contribution, help me towards the costs of running the podcast and uh, gathering resources by which I can make the, uh, the, the actual information within the podcast as authentic as possible, um, then please do click on the Patreon link and uh, consider any kind of monthly contribution. We issue rewards out to those of you who do make... Um, cumulative contributions over any amount of time so definitely come along and have a look and see uh, see what you can actually gain by being a patron of the website we can welcome in um to um to the history of the world podcast illuminati emily neil hannah kubrak papa boyce alex bread todd abrams jason bain and Vibeki antoinette moore Thank you so much to all of you for now becoming members of the History of the World podcast Illuminati, a distinction that can never be taken away from you. So thank you very much indeed. Finally this week, we're going to read out a review. I'm a little confused by it. It's from uh, Vizieran from United States of America. who's put historical storytelling at its best. Dear Chris, I listened to you in Michigan... There is dirty of classes on Eastern history. Thank you for the thoughtful and thorough narratives. I finally understand my own history. 
if anyone can help me out with that, please do. Please do. I'd be interested in knowing. Um, but that's it for this week. Next week, uh, there's going to be more unscripted stuff. Until then, we'll see you again. Have a great week and be good. Come to the History of the World podcast.com and join all the other hot welders on our wide range of social media. Why not support the podcast by clicking the Patreon link or buying me a book and becoming a lifelong member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati? Drop me a line at historyoftheworldpodcast@mail.com and let me know what you thought of this week's episode. See you next time.